Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Joe Stafford, Groucho Marx, Judy Canova, Ralph Edwards, Phil Harris, The Great Gildersleeve, and Red Skelton. One of the more popular musical shows on radio was the Supper Club program. The show was heard five nights a week on NBC and featured Perry Como, Peggy Lee, Joe Stafford, and a host of musical guest stars. Here's a portion of the program of Tuesday night, February 1st, 1949. And now here's the star of our show, voted the most popular singer among the armed forces in the European area, Joe Stafford. Greet the day with a sunny smile. Here's a way to be in style. Out of your face with sunshine. Put on a great big smile. Make up your eyes with laughter. Folks will be laughing with you in a little while. Whistle a tune of Bloom never was in style In a while, never a blue day The future's brighter When hearts are lighter So smile, you'll be in style Try to be nice, take my advice, be happy Just Thank you very much, and hello, folks. Well, all the familiar faces and voices are back with me for another Tuesday night stand at the Supper Club. Come yout, come yout, come yout, you pretty kitten. We will serenade the moon. Not meow. Come yout, come yout, come yout, my pretty kitten. We will sing a little tune. Not meow. Oh, come on. When the folks got home tonight At twelve or there about They locked the door And they forgot to put me out Come out, come out Come out, my pretty kitten Meow Not meow Later on When several hours had passed And the little cat Had wriggled through the screen door at last she hurried over to the Tomcat's place And there she found him sleeping with a smile on his face Come out, come out, come out, you lazy Tomcat You wanna sleep your nine lives through Not meow Come out, come out, come out, you handsome Tomcat We will catch a mouse or two uh, Not meow You've been pussyfooting round, and you think you're pretty hot. Hey, yep. Well, what do those other tabbies have that I ain't got? <laughs> 
Well, uh... Come meow. Uh-uh. Come meow. Not tonight, my Josephina. Hey! <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, I'll be, be right with you. Meow. Right meow. I thought it might be interesting if I showed you how a radio program is prepared right from the beginning. Now, the first thing we have to start out with is an idea and a sponsor. And when I thought of someone who could play the part of this very dignified, composed individual, I couldn't think of anyone better than Groucho Marx. Thank you. So tonight I'm the sponsor, eh? Well, cancel the program immediately. You're all fired. <laughs> I've decided to put all my money into billboards. I knew a sponsor one time who put all his money in billboards, and today he has three bedrooms, a garage, and two warehouses. All full of billboards. <laughs> Have you ever wondered how a sponsor goes about selecting a program? A lot of people think a sponsor goes shopping for programs just like he shops for a pound of cheese. This must be true, because last night I saw a panel show with four rats around the table. <laughs> they were grilling a cheese sandwich. <laughs> Actually, a sponsor has an advertising agency to do his program shopping, and it's customary for the agency to submit three program ideas to the client right before he goes to the ballpark. <laughs> Finally, after several hundred sensational new ideas are submitted, all of them stolen from my show, You Bet Your Life, Somebody reaches into the trash barrel and brings me up. This is quite a shock to the sponsor, and he immediately goes on a vacation. <laughs> so now you know all about how a sponsor selects a program. My sponsors know that the opinions expressed by me do not necessarily reflect my opinions. Which... <laughs> my opinions are low and very vague. And now, children, a Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Well, that may give you a rough idea of what a sponsor's like. Now, the next thing to do is to find a star, someone whose personality will fit the mood of the show, a sophisticated personality whose charms will completely captivate the audience. And when we think of someone who exemplifies sophistication, whose very name stands for poise, charm, and savoir-faire, the name that immediately sticks on everyone's tongue is Judy Canova. Hello, Judy. How you doing, dream girl? Huh? Oh, I'm doing all right, but... Yeah? I just don't believe that no woman could be that fat. Yeah, what are you reading? Well, this here newspaper says that some English woman lost 2,000 pounds at a racetrack. Uh, huh? uh, hey, Judy, I got someone I want you to meet, Judy. Oh, that's mighty sweet of you, Joe. Who is he? He is the vice president. Oh, how's Mrs. Barkley, Veep? <laughs> he is the vice president of this radio network. Oh, well, why didn't you say so? Oh, so you're the vice president of a radio network, eh, mister? No! <laughs> Good 
my, but you have a nice farm here. What do you raise? Hogs. Yeah, hogs, huh? Uh, wouldn't corn and potatoes pay you better? Yeah, but hogs don't need no hoeing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, Judy, you know why I drove Mr. Nelson all the way out here to see you? No, why? On account of Mr. Nelson wants to put you on a radio. Well, he don't look strong enough to lift me. <laughs> but what does he want me to do on the radio? Like you to tell jokes? Go on, give her an example, Mr. Nelson. Go ahead. Oh, goody, I got to tell a joke. <laughs> now, Miss Canova, what's the best way to make a coat last? You ought to make the vest and trousers first. You ought to make the vest. <laughs> oh, you ruined my joke, you naughty girl. <laughs> Take it easy, will you? You're gonna louse up the deal. Here, now, doll, just, just you put your X on this piece of paper. Come on, come on. Oh, well, that looks more like a book. Well, it's what we call a contract, Miss Cadova. Just read the part about the dome, Mr. Nelson. Go yeah, very well. I believe that's on page 628. <laughs> oh, yes, here we are. And now, the party of the first part, that's you, Miss Cadova. Hey, Joe, we're gonna have a party. <laughs> Uh, the party of the first part, habeas corpus, ipsa facto, delicto, judicial, umpto, bumpto, roots. Uh, now, I'm sure that clears up the financial setup, Miss Canova. Huh? <laughs> Come on, will you sign it, babe? But only on one condition. What is the condition? <laughs> that me and Mr. Nelson here get together for some sparking. Are all them NBC vice presidents big and handsome like you, Mr. Nelson? Every last one of them. Tell me something. How did you fellas get such fine physique? We all knit like mad. <laughs> <laughs> Now, once we have a sponsor and a star, then the show has to be written. How do the writers go about creating their jokes, their situations, and their ideas? For example, let's take the Truth or Consequences show. Here truly is genius at work. Let's eavesdrop as Ralph Edwards leads his three writers through the creation of a consequence. Now, gentlemen, we've got to do something different, something that's never been done before. I want to set the world on its ear, make people gasp, a fantastic, unheard-of type consequence. Something different! I got it! Yes, Sir Williger? We hit somebody in the face with a pie. Bad, <laughs> <laughs> not bad. What do you think, Bradford? Where are you going to get a pie? <laughs> well, we'll worry about that when we come to it. How about it, Nilbank, huh? What kind of pie? Lemon meringue. <laughs> we did it. Oh. What difference does it make what kind of pie it is? Don't you think so, Bradford? Mm, I don't know, Ralph. It's true we've used lemon meringue pies before. But the people don't think of that. All they remember is lemon meringue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll use apple pie. Nobody's ever thrown an apple pie before. Hey, then it's agreed, huh? Now, query. How do we go about fooling our contestant so that he doesn't know that he's going to be hit with an apple pie? You make him think it's lemon meringue. <laughs> no, no. Forget about that kind of pie, will you? Forget about any of the kinds of pie. We've decided it's apple. See? Now think, man. Think. Mmm. Well, Milbank, any ideas? You know I can't get ideas just like that. 
How do you get your ideas? When we're dancing and you're dangerously near me. <laughs> now look, kids, this is the greatest picture. The contestant on stage, he misses his question. We stick his head through a pie screen. We razzle-dazzle him. We throw an apple pie at his kisser. Great, huh? Terrific. <laughs> Sensational. Hey, wait a minute. I got an idea. Yeah. Instead of apple pie, we throw lemon meringue and he gets a face full of goo. Say, you got something there. Yeah, he's got an idea. Why didn't I think of that? Boys, I don't know how to thank you. I'm proud of the way you come through at each crisis. Well, that takes care of next week's show, huh? Good night, boys. Good, Good night, night, Mr. Edwards. Oh, uh, Terwilliger. Uh, yeah, boys? I've been thinking. Wouldn't it be much funnier if we used an apple pie? <laughs> Well, now we have our sponsor, our star, and our writers. What comes next, you ask? Well, we call it homework. Yes, radio stars have homework, too. He takes the finished script home, works on it, goes over his lines of dialogue patiently, diligently, working himself into a complete exhaustion, trying to perfect himself into the role. And to give you his impression of a star grueling himself with work, here is Phil Harris. Gee, it's quiet in this house without Alice and the kids around. I wonder what I could do now. Oh, I know. The scripts arrived this morning for our radio show. I'd better check that because we go back on October the 5th. Let me see what these guys have got. Hey, these writers have really been working. This script is really thick. Two and a half pages. Wow-wee! <laughs> I was worried about this year's scripts now that both of my writers are raising chinchillas. <laughs> oh, goody, look how they start. Hmm, we're going to start the show off this year with me telling a joke. Wait a minute. Here's something in parentheses. What does it say? Oh, it says, use a joke out of one of your heads. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Oh, Dean, you are a cad. What did they put that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Julius, just put them on the table. Oh, hello, Mr. Harris. And don't get too close when you answer. Get <laughs> okay, I'm busy. Hey, look, why aren't you in school? I don't think I'm going to school anymore. Why not? It upsets me whole day. <laughs> well, that's no attitude to, to take about going to school, Julius. All I have at school is trouble, so why should I go? Well, I'll bet George Washington didn't think that way at your age. Yeah, and at your age, he was president. <laughs> hey, what are you reading, the racing form? What looks good? No, I'm not reading the racing form. This is my radio script. Oh, no! You going back in radio? I certainly am. And I'm going into television, too. Ah, oh, that ought to be great. What do you mean? With all them lines in your face, you'll look like 15 minutes of bad reception. <laughs> look, Julius, I just got back off that there's no... Hold it a minute. Hello? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, he's here. What? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll tell them goodbye. Who was that? The grocery. What do they want? Get over there as fast as you can. You got the keys in your pocket to the restroom. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Come on, girl. Well, we almost have a program built. Sponsor, star, writers, and home rehearsal. Well, next it's studio rehearsal. And here's someone to give us a graphic picture of what this activity prior to airtime is like. It's Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. Oh, for heaven's sake. Pipe down, everybody. Who said that? I did, Judge. Now stop waggling your chin whiskers and let's start rehearsing. We haven't got all day. I didn't stop the argument. He did it. I did not. Oh, my goodness. Fellow. All right, if I'm supposed to be the director of this piece, let's get the rehearsal started. That peavey. Quiet, Judge. We can't hear what the producer's saying. Is anybody listening to me out there on the stage, or am I talking to myself? <laughs> Tell Leroy to quit hammering on that bird house. Somebody call for Birdie? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bertie. Let's get through with this thing. I've got a crossword puzzle to finish. Phoebe, <laughs> you and your crossword puzzles. What scene are we doing? Well, it's the one in the kitchen, Bertie, where I'm under the sink fixing the pipe. And the judge and Phoebe come over to help. We'll start at the top of the page where I come in the door. Okay, I'm ready. All right, all right, here we go now. <laughs> Darn toolbox is heavy. If I can get in the back door... Well, where's the pipe that needs fixing, Bertie? It's under the sink, Miss Gilsey. Yeah. Which one? The one with the drip. <laughs> you think you can fix it? Can I fix it? Bertie, I'm not the water commissioner in this town for nothing. You have to dry on my back under the sink to get at it. If I can find the one that leaks. Oh, you can find it all right. It's the one that every now and then goes drip. Yeah, I know, Bertie. And sometimes it goes drip, drip. <laughs> I've heard it, Bertie. Sometimes it even goes drip, drip, drip. <laughs> All right, Bertie. Mostly it just goes drip. <laughs> Somebody at the back door. Well, whoever it is, tell them we don't want it. Well, hello, Bertie. It's the judge and Mr. Peavy. Come on in, gentlemen. Mr. Gilsey's under the sink. Thank you, Bertie. <laughs> what are you doing under there with all those pipes, Gildy? I'm knitting a pair of socks, you old goat. <laughs> Have to turn some of these valves. Are you sure that's the right one, Gildy? I know what I'm doing, Judge. Uncle Mort, what are you doing down there? You shut off the water upstairs. Oops. Sorry, my dear. Wrong valve. Gildy. Confound it, Judge. You reach in here and hold this pipe. The water's pouring out. They're being flooded. Phoebe, I've got hold of the pipe. While Gildy holds the wrench, you crawl in here and turn off the valve. All right. If you're sure you know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. Hold the wrench, Phoebe. Now, oh, Gildy! That's the wrong one. I'm getting soaked. You're getting soaked. I'm being drowned. Bail out. Phoebe, man the lifeboats. <laughs> rehearsed that scene in great shape, didn't he? You wonder how the producer liked it. Uh, 
How did it sound in there? We couldn't tell. The microphones were dead. <laughs> Now comes that big moment in every radio performer's life. After all the conferences, script meetings, and rehearsals are over, it is now the moment when the red hand on the studio clock points to airtime. Here now is Red Skelton and company to show us just what a polished program sounds like. Millions of people have heard Red Skelton on the air, seen him in pictures, and applauded him in personal appearances. They want to know what is the real Red Skelton like. I can answer that question. Once a week I have breakfast with Red at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I see him as he really is. Gay, good-natured, wide awake, full of bright remarks and witty say. Ah, oh, shut up! <laughs> Here, have some orange juice. <laughs> I wish Georgia would get rid of those little glasses. <laughs> Hey, thanks, Red. You're welcome, Rod. My, it's delicious orange juice. Yeah, I got those oranges from my backyard. Well, I didn't know you had orange trees in your backyard. I don't. They were sent here to me from Florida by a hurricane. <laughs> Do you always get up this early every day? Oh, yeah. I'm not the lazy type, boy. I, I believe in getting up and getting things done. Isn't that a beautiful sunset? <laughs> Hey, uh, well, pardon me while I open the mail, huh? Mm -hmm. Hey, did you hear about the, the lady that had the, uh, the surgeon arrested for operating on her husband? No. How? How did, how did, she had him arrested because she opened her mail. <laughs> oh, well, I won't... Uh, well, let's see. Try another one. Let's try another one. Let's try another one. Maybe it, I, I wouldn't get so much mail if I'd pay some of these bills, huh? Well, that's an awful lot of unpaid bills, fella. You know, if you need cash, Red. Yeah. Shake hands with somebody who needs it worse than you do. <laughs> hey, here's a letter that's not a bill. Oh, isn't that nice to have somebody to write to you that doesn't want any money? Read it, will you? Uh -huh. Let's see. Dear Mr. Skelton, I listen to you on the air every week, and I go to all your pictures. Please send me your autograph. Ah. On a check for $35.60, sincerely yours, the butcher. <laughs> up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. This is Frank Rizzi asking you to tune in next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.